Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning. This is a healthy you, wealthy you show. I'm actually like laughing. <laughs> what a good way to start the show. Good morning, Fergie. Good morning, Abel. Very glad to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 101.9 IFM. There you go. And she was reminding me because last week I think I had a little bit of a lag. I had a bit of brain fog. I couldn't remember where I was. Yes, this is 101.9 IFM. This is the healthy you, wealthy you show where we discuss ways to change, uh, chronic health conditions and sometimes it's a matter of even maybe just changing your mind not necessarily what you eat or what you do and today we are going to be speaking with Mark Kahn he has been a regular guest on this show Mark has a bachelor of commerce degree as well as a master's in clinical psychology from the University of Witwatersrand he has a managed he's a management consultant for the last 25 years and he has run a private practice for the last 40 years He's also consulted to the United Nations World Food Program in Rome in the field of traumatic stress. His private practice work is integrative and using varying modalities at different times with different clients. And today we're going to discuss one of them called Interactional Pattern Analysis or IPA. And we're going to learn all about this and understand how we can manage stress, anxiety, depression, career issues, trauma, bereavement, intimate relationship challenges, and more. He is a highly skilled executive coach, laying, <clears throat> having worked at the highest levels in top South African organizations and is a master conflict resolution facilitator. You would like, if you'd like to join the conversation. 101.9 is our telegram number. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for joining us. Morning, Abel. Lovely to be here. Good morning, Mark. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to be discussing um, this topic of IPA, Integrated Pattern Analysis. I'm intrigued. I know nothing about it, so I'm going to Give you the metaphorical microphone, maybe give us a definition and explain to us more about it. So I'd like to kick off with most people don't know much about it because it was created by a South African, Charles Forster, about 10, 12 years ago, and he died about five or six years ago. I never met him. Jeannie Cavey, a friend and colleague who's writing her PhD in this arena, trained me in the model, and, and she's really developed it extensively. She's a therapist in Johannesburg and absolutely brilliant. So what IPA is saying is that much of psychotherapy is intrapsychic. So it's, you know, the Freudian model and Jung and most people out there in the world who aren't trained psychologically are intrapsychic. In other words, it's why did I do this? I think it's because of my relationship with my brother, my mother, my father, the trauma. So all of the intrapsychic is what's inside us mentally, emotionally, and physically. And that has relevance, and it's important. What IPA is saying is that behavior, our patterns of interaction, are much more scientifically and easily verifiable and observable 
and a diagnostic of how effective we are in managing our relationships. What's critical is our ability to manage our relationships effectively determines how fulfilled, happy, competent, how much self-esteem we have. People who have really bad relationships struggle at all of these levels. So IPA, there are 17 variables. I won't list all of them. I'll, I'll talk about some of the most important ones. There are 17 variables that define how we interact. And it's really saying, and what I love about this model is it's not saying I'm a failure or I'm pathological. You know, I have pathological depression or anxiety is what the medical model talks about. DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association. I have to think carefully to say all those words. Um, is, is, is a disease model. IPA is not a disease model, so it's more in line with, you know, the humanistic psychology and therapies that you know about. It's saying how effective or ineffective am I on each of these variables. So it's very helpful to, like, for instance, I saw a client first session a couple of weeks ago. She's uh, studying at university, hates what she's doing, and feels very depressed in traditional terms, because she hates what she's doing. So I'll look at what are the variables on the IPA that stand out in terms of that. One of the variables in IPA is called problem solving. You have practical problem solving, my career choice, managing my career, managing my kids, getting to work, being able to do the job, going to the doctor, fixing my car, managing my bank accounts, paying the bond, practical problem solving. On practical problem solving, this poor young woman is doing very badly. She, Practically speaking, she's chosen the wrong career. So everything has to go downhill. So the psychiatrist will say, well, you're depressed, and she is on a million meds, this poor young woman. But actually, she's made a poor decision. Practically. Now, what's interesting is practical problem solving is much easier than personal relationship problem solving. For me, you know, only for, I'm sure you've heard me say this, 4% of marriages really are functional and tender and loving and close. And a bad intimate relationship is stacked up unresolved problems. We disagree about the in-laws, about the kids, and the house, and the mess, and I want to watch Netflix romance, and he wants to watch Netflix FBI. And they don't solve those problems. So they are ongoing arguments that never get resolved. And what IPA, I, I, I trained in about five years ago, what I, IPA has done for me is helped me to realize how critical, practical, and relationship problem solving is to feel like your life is okay and that you're in control relatively because we have so, control and yes. so it's it's a practical tool it's like looking on the on the outside as opposed to always going right inside 
and 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 you know just start labeling all the 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 mush of emotions that that yes. that, that are feeling. Yes. We're talking with Mark Kahn. If you'd like to join the conversation, it's three four five one nine. Our telegram number is zero six one. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. Come back. We're talking to Mark Khan on the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. And Mark, we're discussing the IPA, the International Pattern Analysis. If you can give us more examples just to explain what exactly it is, because it sounds pretty technical. And how do you, like, almost assess the patient or the couple and understand what this interactional pattern analysis is in, with like with regard to the cup to the couple or the or the patient. Sure, I can do that. I'm sorry it appears technical because <laughs> I must be not explaining it too well. It's actually very the opposite. Let me let me share with you an example with this young woman who's chosen the wrong career. She the problem solving is a problem. She's in the wrong career. Okay. She, there's a variable called closeness and distance. So I say, and, and of course, closeness and distance is critical, particularly in intimacy. So with this personal problem, she lives in Cape Town, her parents are in Johannesburg. How much does she share the fact that she hates this uh, studying the career choice? Not much. So there's distance. But then, in my interaction with her, the, a lot of the IPA variables we pick up, immediately we meet somebody. I call it an energetic signature. It's not an IPA term. You know, people have an energetic signature. Somebody walks into my office and they go, hi, and they look around with a stiff, tight look on the face, anxious, frozen. Somebody else walks in and says, Hi, oh, lovely office, nice trees, nice view of the sky. They're very open. Immediately that's saying in IPA terms, the ability to be close and connected. So with this young woman, when I'm talking to her about her career, she's listening intently. Just the way the two of you are now. Neither of you look distracted, you're you're dissociated and thinking about shopping and the kids and whatever. So I say to her, you know, you're a really great listener. She says, oh, I say, look at the way you're listening to me. You're not interrupting me and going off with long stories, and I can see you digesting and taking in. So you have the capacity to listen and the capacity for closeness and to receive something from me. So I'm sharing empathy with her. Empathy is another one of the variables. I'm empathizing with her. And she doesn't change the subject. You know, people who can't receive empathy, you say, wow, that sounds awful. Yeah, but you know, I'll get over it. They're corrective listening themselves. And they're pushing you away. So you've got two variables going, empathy and distance. This young woman is listening intently intently and digesting what I'm saying. So I share this with her and then I start to work with it. I said to her, how does it feel when I share this quality, your capacity to receive and be close and digest? 
She says it feels very good. I say, where does it feel good in your body? And I'm doing somatic work. Okay. So that's why I'm integrative. I'm integrating different models. IPA is a tool to understand where you're at. It's not a tool to tell you what to do. So therapists can come with different models and methods and use them to work with the variable. So I choose to work somatically. I say, where do you feel it in your body? She says, it feels like sunshine in my chest. And I say to her, okay, can you make space and feel the sunshine in your chest? And she says, yes, and I watch her face. I'm watching now. She's receiving and able to work with it. That is another variable. It's called flexible versus rigid. I think flexible rigid is the most important variable. You know, you know, you're trying to help a friend who you're talking to and they want advice and you share something with them and they change the same. They go, yeah, but I tried that and this will never work. They're rigid. So flexibility is the, the most critical ingredient for change. And this woman has it. I can feel that in, you can get it in 10 seconds with somebody. How much are they listening? Mm. That listening is digesting and, and, and fitting it into one's own schema, one's own world, one way, one's own way of thinking. And we say that flexibility is also very much linked with vulnerability because if you're, if you're flexible, you're probably vulnerable and you'll allow another point of view. When you're not vulnerable, you're not flexible and therefore you are rigid. Like, I, I, I would find that synonymous. Yeah, if you want to be open to change, you have to be, it, there is an element of vulnerability. Okay, so what this tells me is you've both done a lot of work on yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know why? <laughs> well, how are we reacting to <laughs> Because one of the variables, which is empathy, I in fact created a whole model called empathy training out of IPA. I presented it to my colleagues and I worked with it with clients. I never even thought about how do you teach someone to be empathic? So what's critical is in order to be close, there needs to be an expression of empathy, an ability to make space for pain. And I do, I, I do what I, with my clients, what I call the, the dentist empathy test. I say to them, when you were eight years old and you were going to the dentist for the first time and you said to your mom, mommy, I'm so scared of the dentist. What did your mom say? Oh, God, you know, stop it. <laughs> grow up, be tough, it'll be fine, it won't hurt, they lie. It <laughs> won't hurt, uh, be a big girl, um, I'll be there, don't worry. Don't worry, shutting down the pain. And unfortunately, this is endemic in our culture. Mm. One of my clients I saw when she was 16, she's now 19, she managed to matriculate, I don't know how. When I saw her recently again after a four-year gap, three-year gap, she said to me, school teaches you to feel useless. Yeah. And there's a huge proportion. I felt like that at school. It's taken me decades to get recover from that largely. I still have bits of it left. Why useless? Because 
Nobody said to me when I arrived in grade one, no, no teacher, the teacher didn't say to me, there's little frozen Mark being a good boy. You know, I wish your listeners could see me. I'm, I've, got, I've got my hands crossed with my one finger on my lips and I look frozen and tight. No, no teacher said, shame little Marky, are you a bit scared to be here today? Yes, I am scared. Oh, that's tough. If, if she'd asked the question, Jeff, don't be scared, it's going to be fine. And if I may swear on your show, you know what fine stands for? Yeah. Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. <laughs> People say they're fine and they ain't. Yeah. So a lot of that, a lot of that trauma then is from not having that, em- the correct empathy. Yes. It's called corrective listening. There's no empathy as kids, the peers, the bullying, and then teachers. So the, the system shuts us down, and what does that do in IPA terms? Creates distance. Distance. How are you? How are you able? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I find though that empathy is almost like the answer to everything because it's almost like you just have to be like empathetic and not even have an answer to the solution. So like sometimes I would say to my son, like he's very angry, very frustrated, and a lot of the time I'll just say. Wow, I know it's so frustrating. It's you know makes you really angry, and then he just like the whole he just dissipates, and then he just carries on, and things are fine. He didn't even necessarily need a solution to the problem. So I'd like your listeners to just remember that you say to your son, "I know it must be so frustrating." That is empathy. It's giving a person a sense that you understand how they feel, and it's okay to feel how they feel, as opposed to our culture, which is positive thinking, and it's called toxic positivity. So positive thinking is useful if you want to lose weight, run a marathon, get stronger, fix your business. Positive thinking is useful. But in terms of what you're feeling and struggling with, anxiety and sadness, hurt, pain, you want to do what, what you do, baby, which is make space. I had a mother come and see me. It was fascinating. Very rare this happens. She came to see me. You have two kids, nine and 11. She's divorced. She wants to be a better mother. And I work with the empathy training. I teach her to do the make space for your kids, like you described, baby. After a month of doing this, she says, my kids have stopped fighting each other. And she didn't work on that. But giving them space makes them, you know, you, you wanted to discuss, I wanted to talk about dopamine and Faye, you said, let's talk about serotonin. Well, serotonin is a sense of feeling safe. When we feel safe and comfortable, our serotonin goes up. We can relax. So making space enables the production of serotonin. Empathy. I wanted to ask you that question. Sorry, I wanted to ask you that question. Like, you know, you're using, I'm starting, maybe I'm not understanding, but I think this is, this is what I'm hearing from you is that IPA is just a, a method by which you are seeing the interactions between people and how, how you can bring it to their attention and help them correct it. What happens if there is a chemical imbalance? What happens if there's something that, 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 you know, needs other intervention? Okay, so firstly, 
if there's a chemical imbalance and there's something genetic, IPA can assist in managing the behaviors, but maybe medication is necessary, and so often it is. And, and one of the variables in IPA is trauma. So we're not saying we mustn't focus on trauma. And in addition to that, one of the variables, and really it's a credit, it's a variable I just love. I could talk for three hours about it. Control. Are you in control of your system? This, this body, mind, emotion, spirit, energy. And how in control are you of appropriately in control of your environment and your relationships? So you've heard all, everyone's heard the term boundaries. Boundaries is about are you managing, are you in control of your relationship with other people? People who want to manipulate, control, demanding, needy. How do you manage the wanting? I call it the war of wanting that we have in our relationships. Well, that's an interesting topic that you brought up. Like I'm, I'm smiling um, because there's a lot of, 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 uh, talk out there, theory out there, that the best way to manage life is to relinquish control because you can't control anything. You can't control your environment. You can't control your husband, your wife, your your kids. You know, you can't control the, the, the God, you know, what's going on in Gaza right now. You can't control the weather. So if you let go and uh, what's the word? You deal with equanimity, right? You just are in the space of equanimity then then you're way more in control of everything than, than, than you were before. Like, can we talk around that a little bit? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like your body being able to just let go, release. Mm. So I'm very clear. This is my model that after years of working on myself and clients, this is what I've come up with. Life, everything has two sides. We have control and we have no control. So John Demartini, whose work I really love, tells the story of meeting a friend in the 2000 dot-com boom. The guy's making millions. He says, how's it going to the friend? Friend says, hey, man, I'm so in control. It's fantastic. So Demartini says, well, you know me. I think you're in control and you're not in control. So where are you not in control? No, totally in control. I don't think so. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Back and forth, back and forth. Finally, the guy says, Look, my 17-year-old son's on drugs, but he's in rehab, and it's under control. (laughs) Three weeks later, the son died of an overdose. So here's the thing. We want to establish where we have control and become more and more skilled and powerful at taking control. That's practical stuff and relationships, boundaries, Oh, and I work a lot with helping people to get better at managing boundaries. They don't have the language for it. I've worked out a whole model to do that. How do you take control of manipulators, bullies, needy people, etc.? And when you can't take control, your point. Breathe out. Let go. Let go. So, you know Elizabeth Gilbert, Eat, Pray, Love? Mm-hmm. She has a lovely quote that came out recently. She says, she talks about surrender. So surrender is the opposite of trying to take control. She says, you're frightened of surrender because you don't want to lose control. But you never had control. All you had was anxiety. Mm -hmm. All you had. It's beautiful. 
But she's, you know, that's the problem with one-liners. It doesn't give you the full story. You had some control, which makes you want more control, and wants you makes you want control over stuff you can't control. So no, <laughs> which is causing more anxiety. <laughs> exactly, and you can't tell the difference between where you can take control and when to let go. And nobody teaches us how to let go. Here's another complication. In intimate relationships, you try and accept your partner and you surrender to their truth and their reality and their difficult impossibleness and whatever. And it shuts you down, it freezes you, and it depresses you. Why? Instinctually, we're going to fight or flight under stress. That's an instinctual, it's a reptilian complex down at the base of the brain stem, the base where the, where the brain meets the spine. It's a survival mechanism. If you can't fight or flee, you freeze. So now you try to just surrender and let your partner be as they are. But what you're doing is you're freezing your fight back response. <laughs> So there's this terrible paradox, and this is why it's so complex and couples' work is so difficult. You you have to balance loving and accepting your partner as they are and also expressing your needs. If you're not Rabbi Schneerson, you're going to suppress your needs and get depressed. Now, Rabbi Schneerson is very good. I've read his, one of his books. He's very good at this. He just is loving and patient and giving and kind. Most of us can't do that. If we do that, we freeze our selfish wanting, and now we go on Prozac. So how do you balance this? Well, that's a long, long negotiated story. That's why everyone's different, and it's a long story. We're speaking to Mark Khan. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line, 0618951019 is our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Mark, before this show, we were discussing serotonin and we wanted to discuss also the dopamine and how to increase the dopamine. But I, I actually recently went to a doctor and the doctor was explaining to us that it's one thing taking medication and re- increasing your serotonin, but if you don't release the trauma and deal with your past, it's not going to be so simple. So I, I agree with that. I would also add, so, so serotonin is about feeling connected and comfortable and safe. Can you create that in your relationships? Because if you don't feel safe in your relationships, very difficult. If you didn't feel safe in your home or at school, boarding school, I have clients, horrific boarding school experiences, then you're going to bring that lack of safety into a relationship. So a new client last week, two divorces. His wives both left him. Now he's involved with a lovely woman who I saw for therapy. Well, she says, I love you, and he thinks, until when? <laughs> so yes, it is complex. So you know you can they, they talk about the serotonin help inducing foods, you know, the proteins and turkey, white turkey meat and so on. 
um, tryptophan. I haven't seen that help people really much. And I think it's because the traumas and the interactional distance is overwhelmingly big. How do you then increase dopamine? Well, it's interesting because IPA would be a wonderful way to do it because the closeness distance variable, the empathy variable. One of the variables in IPA is UPR, unconditional positive regard. I don't like the term. It's too idealistic. Nobody has unconditional positive regard for anybody. But let's just, for short-term purposes, UPR for self. How much do you accept yourself? If you reject yourself, if you don't love yourself, how can you expect someone else to love you? I've had a few clients understand that. So you're creating distance, which is lowering your serotonin, because serotonin is about closeness and safety. But because you hate yourself and you keep telling yourself you're useless, people give you compliments. I never forget going for dinner to a woman, a friend, and I said, wow, the food is lovely. She said, oh, it's an old recipe. She's pushing away the compliment. And so I made a joke and I said, yeah, actually it tastes old. (laughs) And she laughed and we joked. But if she's pushing away compliments, she's not receiving UPR. She doesn't give it to herself. She creates distance. Her serotonin levels are going to keep dropping. So there's a nice link between IPA and serotonin. But then let me ask you this question. What is, what is probably, what is for you the most fundamental thing for an individual? Like what I'm hearing you say is that there's got to be a healthy, um, sense of self, right? So if you, if, if you create within yourself a sense of safety, um, a sense of, of respect, a sense of boundary, then your interactions then will be completely different. To, you know, to the way you're perceiving it. And the majority of people, when they complain, they're complaining because you did that to me. You made me feel like that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm laughing. I'm chuckling because we blame. We, we live in what is a blame culture. Decades ago, I remember thinking about this. I went to the fridge. I'm looking for the butter. Where's the butter? And my immediate response was, who took the butter? I wanted to blame. And then I saw the butter on the island. I'd uh, taken it off. <laughs> so as long as you're blaming somebody else, yeah, you can't fix yourself. And honestly, an intimate relationship is best healed when both parties can heal themselves, can say, yeah, you know, I, I've been stressed by work and I come home and I'm disconnected and I'm so, I'm sorry, sweetie, you know, I want to work on that. Yeah, well, I've been nagging you and, and I know I'm making it difficult for you to open up to me. She takes responsibility for that. That is rare. The pro- what makes this so difficult and why it's so hard for couples to do it alone is that's just the start. Can I show you one example of that? About a year or so ago, I saw a woman. We, we, we only had three or four sessions and it wasn't enough. But in our last session, in our second last session, she said, married three years, 
husband is distant, you know, the usual complaint. She says, I, I feel sad about it. I said, okay, here is an IPA thing. How to share the empathy with an effective and loving expression of need. Because mostly we express our needs critically. You come home and you want to whiskey in you on your phone or playing games on your whatever. It's an attack. So mostly in our culture, we attack when we want our needs met. So I gave her this option of how to say it. Can you go to your husband and say, you know, sweetie, I really love you, but I feel sad because we don't feel close anymore. And I want to be closer. Do you? And she did that. And next week she came back and said, he cried, which was amazing, and said, yes, I do. And they hugged. But then she stopped seeing me. And I'm seeing her now again with her husband. It's a year or two later. She didn't keep doing the work, and nor did he. And they didn't know what, how to focus on. So I'm helping them to work on this and do it every second day. Check in with each other. Where are you emotionally? What are you needing? What's missing? Empathy, you know, Spain was describing. It's a lot of work. You know, I love Adyashanti, which I've mentioned here before. He's an American meditation guy. And he he spoke to a friend of his happily married, one of the 4%, happily married for 35 years. And he said, how are you feeling about marriage? And he said, it's an ordeal. (laughs) That's a happy one. It's such a fine balance, Mark. It's like almost, you know, on one hand, you have to know what you need in your life. And, you know, the 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 way you'd like someone to be empathetic towards you, but then you also have that other person that you have to understand what their needs are. So, you know, understand where they need that empathy, you know, to tell them, help them with their traumas or their past lives or their family issues. You do. But here, here's where, can you, well, I keep mentioning the complexity and that's why this is so much work and so difficult. Sometimes you can share empathy with somebody and they don't receive it. They're too frightened of receiving it because it will open them up. They'll feel too vulnerable. They're scared of the closeness. They, it's a language that is too foreign for them. So they stay protected and distant. And then you say, but I tried empathy and it didn't work. Well, it's not going to work with everyone all the time. We're speaking to Mark Kahn, and we're discussing, I guess, the complexity of human relationships. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. I think we've, we've received a lot of things to think about. And as you said, Mark, it's, it's really, really complex. And I think that one of the positive things to do is always to find somebody outside of yourself, you know, somebody that, that can look at things objectively. And if you are vulnerable enough and flexible enough, you know, to hear, to hear or see or to be pointed in the right direction, that's very, very valuable. People would like to get hold of you. How could they? On my cell number, 082-454-9564. And just WhatsApp me is the best way. 082-454-9564. 
Thank you, Mark. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and it's an even greater pleasure seeing you, albeit it's uh, it's virtually, but uh, I've, I've certainly learned a lot. Always learn a lot from you. Thank you, Mark. And can I say one last thing? Right. The reason it's a pleasure being here is because of how you both have the ability to receive. So I'm Thank sharing, you. and you receive pleasure, and you're receiving, and that's gratifying, and that's what we want as human beings. Yeah. We protected ourselves and we shut off to protect from the trauma, the genetics, whatever it is. And so the thing we want, we can't get, which is, which is the connection and the closeness and the love. Well, fantastic. We just increased our serotonin yes. and dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank is, you so much. This is the Healthy You Wealthy Show and this is 101.9 High FM.